Hi, this is Chris Nessie from the House of EdTech podcast. Welcome to the Google Teacher Podcast Archive. I used to produce and edit the Google Teacher Podcast, hosted by Matt Miller and Casey Bell. You can enjoy the podcast once again, and be sure to visit the new website, chrisnessy.com slash googleteacherpod. Please note that any of the show note links mentioned in the episodes are no longer valid, but if you go to chrisnessy.com, dot com slash Google Teacher Pod, you can search the archive and check out the show notes for each and every episode of the Google Teacher Podcast. Thank you for your continued support, and may the Googles be with you. Hello, everyone. I'm Greg Goins from the Reimagined Schools Podcast, a proud member of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to right now. The opinions expressed are those of the individual host. Make sure you check out all the other great podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com and get ready because the learning begins in three, two, one. Welcome to episode 71 of the Google Teacher Tribe podcast, your source for the latest Google for Education news, tips, tricks, and ideas you can use in class tomorrow. I'm Matt Miller from DitchThatTextbook.com. And I am Casey Bell from ShakeUpLearning.com. And in today's episode, we have a very special guest, Sean Fahey, that we can't wait for you to meet. And Sean is going to share with you some of his favorite hyperdocs and ideas for using hyperdocs in the classroom, which yes. always happens to be a hot topic. We love hyperdocs. And of course, we've got some pretty important Google updates you want to hear about and some feedback from our listeners. And we're, of course, going to share what's been going on on the blog. So Matt, are you ready to do this? I am ready to do this. Let's do it. So to kick off for Google news and updates for this episode, we have a, an update about something very near and dear to my heart, and that is Google Drawings and its integration with Google Docs. So if you've ever used Google Drawings, which is kind of like a, uh, I always like to describe it as a, a digital poster board almost, where you can create individual images. And so many times I have done this, I know, where I'll take a Google Drawing and then I will save it as an image once I'm done and I'll stick it into a document or something like that. Well, it turns out now that we have a feature and when um, when Casey and I noticed this, I said to her, I said, well, it's about time that we're able to do this because this just makes perfect sense. And I'm so glad Google's doing it. You can now embed Google Drawings files saved in your drive into Google Docs, but it gets better. So if you've taken this Google Drawing that you've created with shapes and images and text and all of that stuff, you've made this Google Drawing file and you insert it. Now you can go into the menu and you go to insert drawing and it can say from drive. And so if you update it from drive, I'm sorry, if you uh, import it from drive, A, it will go directly into your Google Docs file, which is awesome. B, when the source file, the Google Drawings file is updated, 
you'll see an update button in the upper right-hand corner of the drawing and you click it and it updates it in the document what? just immediately. I know, I know. This is so cool. So if you've got a common document that students pop into a lot of times, this would be great for hyperdocs as well. And if you have a drawing where you make a mistake or you want to change something, or if something changes for the particular class, um, year to year, semester to semester. Now all you have to do is just upload, update that Google Drawings file and then update it in the document. No deleting, no re-downloading, no re-inserting or anything like that. So that is a pretty exciting thing. So if you haven't seen that yet, that is going to be coming very soon to Google Draw Docs, uh, this integration with Google Drawings. Well, that's pretty awesome sauce, y'all. I can see it now in my G Suite for Education account already, so I can't wait to try that out. But you know, Google is always adding and updating and changing things. And guess what, folks? We got another update to Google Classroom. Whoa. Oh, Google's killing me right now, y'all. <laughs> I swear. <laughs> you know, I, I make so many resources. I record videos. I take screenshots. And now Google Classroom looks completely different. Now, here's here's the catch. What, what they have done is really just put a new skin onto Classroom. So it's really mostly a change in look and feel. And it's, it's for the better, I think. It looks much cleaner. It's using Google's uh, material design that they use across various platforms. So I think it's going to be a good change that you're going to like. The other thing that you're going to love is now when you go to the classwork page, you can drag and drop your various files and topics wherever you want them to go. So you can drag and drop an entire topic move it up or down, or click and drag an individual assignment and move it wherever you want it to go. Teachers have been begging for this since we got the classwork page. That has been the biggest hangup and having to slowly use the button to move up or down has been just such a pain. But as I'm looking at this and looking at the, the, the post that was from the keyword blog, I'm really, like I said, I'm not seeing a lot of other changes other than that. And in the fact that in Google's little GIF that they have going on their, their page, I can see a fourth tab that says grades. So um, I have not been testing the new gradebook, but that is what I am sus suspecting is what that fourth tab is going to be. So in Google's animated GIF and in their video, which we've actually embedded in the show notes, you can see this. And so that you'll see stream, classwork, people, and then a last tab that says grades. The other thing that you're going to love, so there is, is something else that they put in here that teachers are going to love, is the themes. So the theme is now just like this one box. It doesn't change the color of the background. The background's now white, which I'm a big fan of, of good use of white space. So this makes my heart happy. But if you go to select theme, now there are over 78 new themes Thank you, Jesus, because I've gotten so tired <laughs> of seeing the same themes over and over again. So um, like I said, it's mostly a visual change, mostly a skin kind of change. But that drag and drop thing is huge. Yeah, it's huge. pretty. It's huge. Yes, it is. Yeah, no. I, I, <laughs> yes. Yes, it is. I agree. Oh, yeah. The drag and drop is amazing. Um, 
Yeah. First of all, I saw I saw Google Classroom um, last night when my wife was working on some stuff in it, and I was like, "Oh, they brought Material Design to this. This is this is awesome." And then, um, yeah, the the drag and drop. That's I mean, that's that's just that's another one of those filed in the category of finally, you know. But then you said something about the grades tab, and I wanted to ask you this, folks. We didn't have this plan, so I have no idea what Casey's going to say here. Uh-oh. <laughs> this probably frightens her that I even do this. Um, with grades in Google Classroom, do you know people that use that very much? Because I know for me and for a lot of people I've worked with, it's like we've got grade software someplace else. So I just, I haven't seen very many people use it. Have you? No, I haven't. And um, I think that's, that may eventually change. And I think Google is trying to build up the platform so that it can be more accessible. But right uh, now yeah. for most teachers, it means they've got to enter grades in two places. Yes. And nobody wants to double their work. No. But but I do know some teachers are doing it because I get questions about, you know, how to add, you know, like point values or to change the point values. and stuff. So I know there are some that are doing it. But by the most part, when I'm teaching anything on classroom and I just kind of do a show of hands, who's actually, you know, putting the grades in class room. There's not that many. Yeah. That's what I found too. I was curious. So, okay. Very good. Well, let's switch gears a little bit to Google Assistant. I'm finding myself using Google Assistant more and more. I know I do have an Android phone that I use and, um, you know, I know it's come into more and more places. And so, um, at this, uh, this conference, the CES conference, which is all about consumer electronics and it's all of the cool gadgets and what's going on. It's in Las Vegas. And so, um, they have announced a whole bunch of new updates. So if you are a Google assistant person in the classroom or in your own personal life, we thought it'd be fun to just kind of list off some of the things that are coming to it. So, um, there's a, a variety of different smart home things that are that are coming around. So if you're wanting to connect to different parts of your house, uh, Google Assistant is continuing to grow there. There's a little bit of new hardware. Um, Lenovo has created the smart clock thing, which, by the way, looks like a really old school, like 1960s clock. But of course, it's all totally digital and it will interact with your smart home devices, which is, is kind of cool, you know? Um You've got home entertainment uh, features that are improving and more things that it'll connect to through Sonos and Samsung and all of that. Um, you can also connect to more different types of devices. And I'm just constantly blown away at all the different types of smart devices that there are these days. Some of the categories they've got are devices and, ex- and appliances, including the Instant Pot. Apparently, you can, <laughs> you've got a Wi-Fi programmable Instant Pot. For real. Um, heating, ventilation, and air conditioning, security, water leak sensors, EV charging, and irrigation, like your sprinklers, too. So, um, And then, of course, you've got lighting, too, with Philips Hue. Um, Google Assistant and Google Maps are going to integrate more fully, where you can send your estimated time of arrival to friends. Um, it'll interact with messaging services like um, your text messages or uh, Facebook Messenger or so on and so forth. Um, other things that it'll do, it'll continue to help you with travel a little bit more. So if you ever fly, you should be able to check into your flight. Uh, they're going to start integrating that with United Airlines at first, um, but then that will continue to grow. And then the other thing that's cool, too, is um, they're getting more and more into um, translation features. It says the assistant can be your interpreter. And so there's this really neat integration with the Google Home and smart displays where you can say, hey, Google, be my French interpreter. And then you'll start interpreter mode and you get real-time spoken 
and written translation. My Google Home's listening to me right now. I wonder <laughs> what she's going to say. She's thinking. She's confused and she just gave up on me. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, lots of new things coming to Google Assistant. We're all, and you know, I'm sort of curious. T- today's my big curiosity day. I've got lots of questions today. Um, I'm curious to see uh, for for you listening, if you use your Google Assistant or um, Siri or Alexa or whoever, and kind of like what what kind of things you use them for. And this may be a topic that we may revisit again at some point, but, um, you know, definitely drop us a message in the GT Tribe hashtag if you're a big believer in your um, assistant and Siri and all of that and what you use it for. But anyway, just just interesting to see what's available out there. Yeah, that is fascinating. I do have regular conversations with both Siri, Alexa, and the Google Assistant. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We may have some arguments at times, but um, (laughs) as most people have heard, oh, she's talking to. I've heard Casey say, Alexa, I wasn't talking to you. Yeah, she's saying something now. So yeah, (laughs) Um, we are going to switch gears. And I want to talk about something that I love to talk about on the show, and that is women in tech or getting girls interested in technology. And so Google has so many programs that are designed um, to encourage women in the technology industry, which I just love. And we have a, a really cool YouTube series that has come out from Google. It's called Women Tech Makers in 60 Seconds. And so if you visit this YouTube channel and you see their playlist, they've got seven videos so far at the time of this recording, and I'm actually clicking subscribe as we speak. So what these are, are of course, 60 second videos about just um, different things in technology. Like there's one called, what is a virtual machine? in 60 seconds? What is web accessibility in 60 seconds? What are APIs and how to use them in 60 seconds? I don't know that one. So yeah, they're explaining a lot of different technology, a lot of different, you know, vocabulary that you may hear um, that you may or may not understand. And so I think that's fabulous. One, they're short and sweet. At, although I'm looking at these and some of these are longer than 60 seconds. So, <laughs> um, a minute and 50 y'all ain't 60 seconds, but no, anyway, um, I think these are really cool. And even though this is geared, I would say more for adults, I think this is still something that would definitely be appropriate for some secondary classrooms, especially high school. And, you know, when kids have questions or the ones who are showing an interest or, you know, more of a, an idea that they want to go into some type of technology. And of course, you know, share this with the boys and the girls because we, we want them all to understand that that women have a place in technology. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, Casey mentioned that this is an important topic to her. It is to me, too. And I think, you know, across the board, this is an important thing that we've got to push out there is that, um, you know, even though there is sort of an inequality, not sort of, there is an inequality right now that that's not the way that it has to, has to be. So, um, we hope that you'll stand with us on that and encourage all of the girls that you work with and the women that are important to you to remember that this is, this is something that they, they definitely can do too. So, um, if you're interested in the links to any of these, of course, our show notes are available at googleteachertribe.com slash 71. Thank you. 
Hey, y'all. I am super excited to introduce our next guest. In fact, I had to really think for a while because I can't believe we haven't had this person on earlier. And so I want to introduce you to Sean Fahey. And you probably know Sean from Twitter or Facebook or Ditchbook or one of the million things that he is involved in. And I I have had the privilege of, of meeting Sean and working with, with Sean on a few projects. And I know he's worked a lot with Matt, but he is just a fantastic educator and he has so many amazing things to share. So we would like to give a warm Google Teacher Tribe welcome to Sean. Hey, Sean. Hey, Matt and Casey. How are you doing? We are awesome. Things are going well as long as we're not snowed in, right? Yes, yes, yes. But maybe (laughs) that'll be a nice, who knows? So, so Sean, tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do now. Yeah. So, uh, my name is Sean Fahey. I am a former um, teacher in the elementary school. I've also done some middle school uh, math and things like that. Um, I'm from Southern Indiana. the rolling hills, unlike where Matt is, it's kind of it's kind of flat where he is. It's flat, <laughs> yeah. So, um, but currently, um, outside of the things that you've just said about my uh, Twitter experiences, or you know, just being connected on different social media platforms with uh, with educators, uh, my current role is an innovative learning specialist with a company called Five Star Technology Solutions uh, that's based here in Indiana, and. Uh, we do various of things, but my role is to um, collaborate with teachers, um, and I'm assigned to a, the North Lawrence Community Schools here, um, and I help guide them as like an e-coach, uh, e-learning coach, uh, to help them integrate technology into classrooms and just to help them make uh, some awesome learning experiences for students. And mm-hmm. one of those is, is uh, definitely using the G Suite tools. And Sean's come a long way uh, from the early days when we were both young teachers at uh, Turkey Run High School and Elementary School here in West Central Indiana. Fun fact, Sean and I taught in the same school district for a year. So we, I didn't we know that. Yeah, that, that was my very first year of teaching. And, mm-hmm. and unfortunately, Aww. I only spent one year there because we did want to kind of get back more to my hometown. But yeah. yep, one year. Yep. Teacher yep. baby. And then I know early on, um, Sean, I've heard you talk about how um, how much of an impact Lisa Highfill was on you. And, you know, Lisa's the uh, co-creator of HyperDocs. And I just I thought maybe I'd ask you, since we're sort of getting into things with our, our past here, what were some of the most important lessons that you've learned from your interactions and your learning from Lisa? Well, really, uh, between, you know, my connection with you and seeing the um, uh, you go through the Google Teacher Academy and things like that that you've done, and and kind of, I was coming to back to my hometown teaching, and I was really searching for how to use technology because we we're rolling out one to one Chromebooks K to twelve, and I knew that it was going to be coming back to uh, my classroom uh, within the next uh, year. So I was really searching for those ways, and I stumbled upon Lisa. I think it was during the. I think it was actually during the one of the ditch book Twitter chats, but I, I can't remember. But she had a quote, um, and, and she's I learned about hyperdocs, and she had a quote, um, I think on one of those EDU on air th- uh, conferences hosted by Google, uh, and when she was introducing like multimedia tech sets and packaging uh, lessons digitally, 
uh, through like Google apps. And she asked, she stated this question um, that really kind of, kind of was my spark with Google and like learning or teaching with technology. And she said, ask yourselves, what can I do now that I couldn't do before? Mm, that's uh, good. Yeah. And it's like, I think from like all that I learned of what was Google and G Suite and, and putting that into practice in my classroom at that moment, I realized I can't continue to teach the same way that I've always taught before. Um, I have to continually be thinking about how I can do things differently um, that I would never been able to do before and interweave that into my lessons. You had the light bulb moment, didn't you? Yeah, Yeah. it was like, ding! Yeah. 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 And I think that's happened, you know, for so many of us too. You know, I, I find myself talking a lot about my first years of teaching as well and sort of, you know, like the way that I was taught and the way that, you know, like we just, we just can't keep going in the same direction that we, we have to find a way to do things differently. And I think that, I mean, this is a perfect segue talking about Lisa. Lisa's amazing. And, and we, we love her here on the tribe. And of course, her big fans of HyperDocs. And you and I were talking briefly about what you wanted to share on the show. And I was like, HyperDocs, HyperDocs, because you have created some amazing lessons and HyperDocs, even HyperDoc units, which um, you so graciously contributed to um, the ShakeUp Learning book as well. So um, tell us a little bit about what that did for your classroom and how you began to use what you were learning um, from Lisa and from being a connected educator. Yeah. So I think whenever I, I kind of learned about HyperDocs and kind of had that big aha moment and sort of like diving in of how I could package my lessons differently or deliver the content differently, um, with students having these devices now, um, the immediate thing is like, I don't have to be the one standing up in the front of the room delivering the content to them. Um, I can take time. What? what? Yeah, right? <laughs> Novel idea. <laughs> One, because I don't know everything. Um, oh, I thought two, you did. No, sorry. <laughs> I don't mean to disappoint people. Sorry. <laughs> um, I kind of, I kind of think so sometimes too when I argue with my wife. But that's not, <laughs> that's not important here. Um, but no, whenever, so I realized through HyperDocs or using the Google Apps, I could package content that students needed to help them learn and put them in different activities um, and let them go, right? And let them be in control of the learning. Um, and then let me kind of facilitate my classroom. And the ones that were going to be the more self-directed learners, the ones that are kind of on top of it, they they were good as gold. They were off and running. They were following the directions on there. Now, if they had questions, they obviously could come to me or they could work collaboratively together to resolve the issue or figure it out. But then that freed me up to work more one-on-one with struggling students or small groups with students. And it totally changed how I thought about delivering content and packaging content in my lessons. Yeah. And I've seen that in, you know, with myself and with so many other people, it really is. I mean, it's not the, the core concept behind it isn't anything brand new, but it's just such a great 
idea for making it doable and the power that it, it has in the classroom. Um, since we are talking about HyperDocs, and I bet a lot of people that are listening are familiar with it, but I bet some may not be. So I'm going to challenge you, Sean, to try to explain what HyperDocs are in 30 seconds to a minute. 30 seconds to a minute. Okay. That's all uh, you get. <laughs> okay, that's fine. Um, really, I see HyperDocs as a um, taking a lesson and packaging it in a student-friendly way. And in this case, where it got started was using Google Docs. Um, but it could be any, really any way that you want to uh, package that content. And you have different uh, pedagogy-first strategies uh, to get students interacting with that content, creating, um, and it's all about how you facilitate in your classroom. So even though it might be digital and on a dock or a slide or wherever it might be, you're still facilitating that classroom. So you might start off like a whole group activity and you're just having classroom discussion and everybody could then write something down in their dock and then you transition to something else. And maybe part of the hyper dock is they just put it away and go do something with manipulatives for a station or something like that. So mm-hmm. to me, I just see it as a des- well-designed, student-friendly lesson plan that they can follow and come back to and learn from. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I like that. And and for reference too, if if you're interested, those of you who are new to the whole idea of HyperDocs, HyperDocs.co is the website, and you can go see some examples and um, get a link to the HyperDoc Handbook, which is is the book that they wrote. And you'll see that there is a lot of good foundational pedagogy that 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 the HyperDoc ladies have built into this system so that it's not just about taking the old stuff that you were doing and suddenly adding it into a doc, that it becomes so much more engaging. And I think, Sean, that that's exactly what you have created with some of these HyperDocs that you've shared. And in fact, you're sharing them with the tribe today. Am I right? Yes. Yes. So I think that's one of the beauties of one Google in general. But two, HyperDocs is the ability to just to share freely. Um, and, and with the HyperDoc ladies, they've created this community of, of teachers giving teachers um, and allowing you to share your lessons and your HyperDoc lessons that you've created um, because it's so easy to, you know, make a copy of that lesson and to modify it and, and, and uh, use it however you need to use it in your classroom. You've got a couple of examples for us here in the uh, show notes and so maybe you can just kind of touch on a little bit. I love that we've got some examples here so that people can see how that they're how they're used differently. So you've got one of them that kind of focuses on maps to some extent. And then you've got another one that's a little bit more of a traditional hyperdoc, I think. So can you give us just the real brief summary of both of those? Yeah. So the one I th- think I shared about um, using the with the Google Map activity um, is actually a hyperdoc novel. Um, kind of like you think of those teacher created like novel units that many teachers have used or maybe still use with, you know, you're copying the papers off and you're giving them and creating packets and things like that. It's kind of taking that and updating it and creating like this novel study unit for the students. And so it's created in Google slides. I co-created it with, um, Carly Mora and, uh, Michelle Wagner. Um, and it's, it just, it's for tales of the fourth grade, nothing. And, um, in this, you know, it has different, you know, activities for students to do, um, teaching them about, you know, uh, 
all sorts of different, you know, concepts within the literature. Um, but the fun activity here that I think I shared was, uh, how, you know, going back to what can I do now that I couldn't do before, uh, is that in this part, we were talking about the setting of the story and we're, you know, Carly and Michelle were located in California and I'm in Southern Indiana and the setting takes place in New York city and, and the, the characters go to central park. And so we're like, you know, if we're talking about the setting of the story, why not use Google maps and you could use Google map street view. They can roam around New York city. They can go to central park uh, and they, they can really understand uh, the setting of the story in that way. Mm -hmm. uh, because, you know, there, this was kind of geared towards, you know, fourth or fifth grade students and maybe not many of them been able to uh, go and travel and, and, yeah. Visit there. And so that became such a richer um, learning experience for them. Instead of me like putting up pictures of slides of New York City or explaining, you know, New York City and how it's different or where it's located and just pointing to it on one of those pull down maps in the front of the room, uh, they're able to go there and see. And it was such an amazing experience because they, they were doing the Google Maps Street View through Central Park. And all of a sudden mm -hmm. they're like, hey, look. There's the there's a playground. Maybe that's the playground they played at. And look, there's the pile of rocks. Maybe they were those are the pile of rocks there. And so they're making text connections to what they were reading. And it was just such more meaningful. And it's something that I was never going to be able to do until uh, HyperDocs and uh, using Google and tools mm -hmm. in my classroom. Yeah. Yeah. That, I love that. And the thing that I think I like about this the best is that you were able to find an experience that you could create with the technology that matched perfectly with what you want this wanted the students to experience. You kind of like, it's like you kind of reverse engineered what you wanted them to experience to be able to learn it and to have that full experience, to be able to see that location. That was kind of the missing piece. And the, the Google Maps Street View was able to fill that in. I love it. And um, can you tell us just real, real briefly about your one word hyperdoc, which seems to be a really um, sort of timely one here now that we're at the beginning of the year? Yeah. So the one word hyperdoc, um, you know, it ha it came about from like, I, th I think maybe four years ago, to be honest. And um, back in, I think, December 2015, I, I, I was kind of new to Twitter back then. And uh, I was seeing one this hashtag one word floating around on the Twitter PLN and people were saying, well, here's my one word, here's my one word. I'm like, well, that's a kind of interesting concept of, uh, you know, New Year's resolutions and actually Carly Mora again, you know, she uh, created this one word hyperdoc and I was like, whoa, this is really awesome. This is a great uh, lesson to start off the beginning of the year. And so uh, in the format of hyperdoc and the, the sharing and the freedom of making a copy and modifying it. I did that and I used it in my classroom and I reshared it. And over the years, you know, I've continued to share it. And the, the amount of people that have like used this hyperdoc to begin the school year after that winter break or at the beginning of the school year, depending on, you know, how, uh, you know, breaks go for your school um, has been just crazy uh, how many people have used it and, you know, getting their students to think about one word and then they're creating these like almost like graphics to kind of represent and kind of inspire them. Uh, just kind of start off the new year fresh. You know, you don't have to go so hard into content right away. Let them, you know, have a time of reflection and goal setting to begin the school year and create something uh, that they can reflect on was um, a very fun experience. And I thank Carly for sharing it so I could modify and reshare it and 
probably everybody else that used it uh, is going to say thanks too. But it's been a terrific uh, experience for me to see how many other teachers have used it and how it kind of almost exploded in a way uh, the past few years of the, of using and sharing and creating. That is definitely true, right? I mean, we it, sharing has only become easier and we've become more connected and we have tons of ways to share things. And in fact, I also want to mention to everyone that you shared a folder of all of your hyperdocs so that, um, and, and y'all, the, I don't know, there's, there's a bunch. I keep, I kept scrolling. So there are tons of hyperdocs in, in Sean's folder and all of the links to everything that we've been talking about will be available in our show notes at googleteachertribe.com slash 71. And Sean, I love the one word. I, you know, I, I know a lot of people who've been really working on that as their, their goal, you know, as teachers and, you know, passing this along to the students. So I think that was such a timely thing to share. But, um, you know, I think everyone is, is going to want to connect with you after hearing this episode. So could you tell us if, if listeners want to connect with you, where can they find you? Yeah, the best way uh, to connect and kind of learn from each other is definitely on Twitter. Um, <clears throat> um, at Sean, my first name's S-E-A-N, uh, then letter J, uh, Fahey, F-A-G-Y. So Sean J. Fahey. Excellent. Well, it sounds like that's the bell for class. <laughs> Time's that's up. a perfect segue there, Matt. Good job. That's right. Yeah, yeah. There's the time. So uh, anyway, Sean, thank you so much for your time. There's been such good stuff here. And we know that um, if everybody jumps into the show notes and sees some of those examples, that's going to be good. So uh, keep doing what you're doing. And thanks again for being on the show. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. It's been a blast. All right, Tribe, how great was that? Wasn't Sean amazing? Um, let's transition out of that real quick to the mailbag where we've gotten some really good tips. Today's episode is full of tips from the Tribe. And so we're going to jump right in and we're going to go outside of the United States for this one. So this is Donna Golightly is the way that it looks to me. I hope I'm not pronouncing that wrong. And she is from New Zealand. And so she's got this one little tip that if you haven't heard about it before, you're going to be going, thank you. Why did nobody tell me that before? So Donna, go ahead and take it. Hi, Casey and Matt. My name's Donna and I'm all the way down the bottom of the world in uh, good old New Zealand. Love listening to you guys every time I go for a run. One of my best tips this year, something I just discovered from reading a blog somewhere, was if you hold command or control at the same time as what you click on a hyperlink, it's always going to open it in a new window. For me, that saved me heaps of times because often when they open on top of what you're already looking at, it's pretty hard to get back to what you started with. So yeah, that's my best tip. Hold down command or control when you click a hyperlink and it will open it in a new window. Happy New Year, guys. This is such a great tip. And I have to agree with Donna. This has also saved me heaps of time because this is just one of those little things that I use on a very, very regular basis. So thank you, Donna, for that. And I'm going to follow that one up with another teeny tiny quick tip that you've definitely got to check out. This is from John Baglio from New York. And he sent us a message where he said, you mentioned Pixlr in the tips from the tribe. And if you're not familiar, Pixlr, that's P-I-X-L-R dot com. I think it's a dot com. Um, Pixlr is this great uh, image editing website where you can pop an image in and do lots of stuff right there in the browser. And we talked about how you can use it to eliminate the background 
of an image. And he says, but have you seen remove.bg? Go to your browser and type in remove.bg. He says, there is literally nothing to, I, I can, I can hear, um, I've been watching a bunch of parks and rec and I can hear, um, Chris, the, the city manager, I can hear him saying, literally, there is literally <laughs> nothing to it. If you've never seen Parks and Rec, that may not be funny to you, but if you have, you know what I'm talking about. I so, want waffles. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So John says, there's literally nothing to it. One click and done. And he says, really enjoying your work and working towards his level two Google educator certi- certification. So good luck on that, John. And thank you for the tip. That's awesome. Those are great tips. And sometimes, you know, you may have learned it and forgotten it or you're not using it. So it's always, always good to get tips from the tribe. So y'all keep those coming. Our next tip comes to us from Lisa Marie Bennett, and she is from Dallas, Texas. And Lisa left us a little voice message about how to change and switch between your different Google accounts using Chrome profiles. So take it away, Lisa Marie. Hi, Matt. Hi, Casey. This is Lisa Marie Bennett. I am up in the Dallas-Fort Worth area at Carroll ISD. I'm a technology coach there. And I wanted to share with you uh, my favorite tip, which is going to be the one that Casey showed to me a couple years ago at TCEA. It, um, it's the one that where you sign into different Chrome accounts. And you know what? This has changed my life. She said at the beginning of the presentation, or at the end of the presentation, I think it was like the last one, she's like, this will change your life. And honestly, it did. The um, Being able to sign in, I have three different accounts that I use. I have my work Gmail account, my personal, and then I have a little side business for graphic design that I use that one for. So I've picked a theme for each of them to make it very prominent of which scene is with which account. And then that way I never make a document in the wrong account. I can't find it. And it's very easy to find. So for example, my graphic design theme for my Gmail, for my Google Chrome account is paint chips going across the top. And then my personal one is purple because I love purple. And then my work account is themed with a a really bright green. That's our um, dragon colors for our school. So um, I, I will tell you Casey was right. It has changed my life and the way I work and the way everything flows. And I'm pretty sure she's got a pretty awesome um, video tutorial and written instructions on her website. So thanks again, Matt and Casey. Love listening to you guys. Okay. So thank you so much, Lisa Marie, especially for the shout out. And um, I love this tip. This is this was a game changer for me um, several years ago, and I made a tutorial several years ago, which I actually had just updated. So it was very timely that she shared this tip. So I'm going to embed and link to the YouTube tutorial if this is new to you. But if you have more than one Google account, this will change your life. Um, it just um, it, if you use Chrome to toggle between your accounts, life just becomes so much easier. I cannot emphasize this enough. It it is probably one of the biggest Google tips that I ever learned myself. Yeah, that's a fantastic one. I was telling Casey earlier, actually, that I learned about this from her also. This was something that I did really, really poorly until I figured out how to switch between accounts in Chrome. So definitely, definitely good stuff. So, of course, if you want to check out any of that stuff, our show notes are available at googleteachertribe.com slash 71.
Okay, Tribe, let's take a look at what we have going on the blogs this week. So I just released a brand new Google Docs cheat sheet. So way back when I first started blogging, I started making these these Google cheat sheets. And the Docs one was made way back in 2014. And I decided it was time for a refresh. And so I kicked things up a notch. And this thing is more than just a sheet. It's 10 pages long and it's completely free for subscribers to shake up learning. So I have to tell you that it's pretty awesome. So you can you can go see a sample page on the blog post to see how beautifully it was designed. I did not design it. I, I wrote the content, but I had a designer take it over so that I can make it even better for you and your students. So if you're interested in that, please go to um, shakeuplearning.com and you can grab your free copy of the brand new Google Docs cheat sheet. Awesome. And if you have not seen Casey's cheat sheets before, oh my goodness, you're missing out. So definitely go get those. Fantastic resource. Uh, The blog post I wanted to share actually comes from all of you. So this is one that was on my blog recently called 10 Fantastic Google Tips from the Google Teacher Tribe. And so I pulled some of the fantastic tips that all of you were sharing during our Tips from the Tribe episode right before the new year and um, shared those with my blog audience because I thought they were they were so excellent and wanted to make sure that they got passed along. So um Several of those are right there, along with links to our previous um, tips from the tribe episodes. That's the third one that we've done. So if you haven't checked those out in the past before, those are episodes 56 and 39, where we did tips from the tribe. And if you add all of the tips up, where we've got like multiple dozens of tribe tips, in addition to the ones that we have on the regular episodes anyway. So if you haven't yeah. checked those out, that might be something worth looking at. Those are my favorite episodes. Oh, yes. Yes, me too. And so, again, I think this is the third time I've said it. Sorry. (laughs) If you want to check out those and want the links directly to them, googleteachertribe.com slash 71. Oh, my goodness. So much good stuff in this episode, especially from Sean Fahey. We got some really, really good ideas about hyperdocs and kind of like what they are. If you are a seasoned hyperdoc veteran, I bet you love this episode. If you're not familiar with them, then maybe this is your starting off point. And, you know, Casey and I have already been talking about how maybe we'll have some more stuff to help you dig a little deeper into hyperdocs. And even if hyperdocs aren't totally your thing, There are so many good tips that come within them because you use so many Google tools. So anyway, I hope that you've had just as good an experience with this episode as we did, because I know I learned an awful lot. Um, Please do subscribe to the show if you haven't already. And if you haven't, please do leave us a rating or review on iTunes. Yes. And don't forget to tell your other teacher friends too. You know, a lot of people are new to the idea of podcasting. So we hope that you love learning this way. We love podcasts and love learning this way. And so... The more uh, reviews that we get, that also helps us reach more teachers, which is always our goal. So thank you all for listening to episode 71 with the amazing Sean Fahey. And I hope everybody is a little spark going for HyperDocs. And we will catch you in episode 72. Bye, y'all.
Thanks for listening to the Google Teacher Tribe podcast. Keep up with every new episode by subscribing on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher, and by visiting googleteachertribe.com. Get in on the conversation on Twitter by using the hashtag GTTribe. Until next time, keep harnessing the G Suite power, and may the Googles be with you. Thank you once again for listening to the Google Teacher Podcast Archive. For the latest on Matt Miller, be sure to visit his website, ditchthattextbook.com. For the latest on Casey Bell, be sure to visit her website, shakeuplearning.com. And to keep up with me and get the latest in education technology, be sure to visit my website, chrisnessy.com. And I invite you to listen to the House of EdTech Podcast.